Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bohm, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we're talking about two very different things this week, both with uh, strong female leads, maybe how the marketing puts it. <laughs> yeah, well said, John. We've got Sex Lives of College Girls Season 2, which returns after its acclaimed first season um, nearly a year ago. So we'll, we'll get into that comedy, which is which is back and funny. And then we've got Mary Antoinette, a new drama series that comes to us. It's a co-production between the French and the Brits, um, and it's a fresh look on, a potentially more feminist look on the life of Mary Antoinette and her time in Versailles before the bringing down of the French Revolution, but a different view on her. So that one's interesting. And then our dinner party recommendations, the kind of shows that we tell our friends about whilst we're having that dinner party conversation that I'm sure many people have, which is what should I be watching, what's good in streaming? So uh, best tips from Binge. Awesome. Well, before we get into the fall of the French Revolution, let's head to Essex College for Sex Lives of College Girls. I've never seen this many hot shirtless men in one place. I know. I'm taking screenshots, but with my brain for later. Guys, what are we always saying this campus needs? Better Wi-Fi? A decent place to get my eyebrows tinted? No. A strip show? It's a sex-positive, female-forward, striptacular. It's also a fundraiser for climate change. We better party while we can. Following four roommates as they begin their college experience, the Mindy Kaling and Justin Noble created comedy The Sex Lives of College Girls returns for a new season this week. Ali, this was definitely one of the more talked about shows in The Office. I also think it maybe uh, either attracted the wrong sort of people or pushed away the right kind of people because of the name. Um, And while... Uh, the show certainly does cover the sex lives of college girls. Um, there's there's a lot more to it than just that, isn't it? Don't let the, the the sex in the title line fool you. These are four very modern women who certainly out to have fun, sex positive on campus, but at, at its core, this is a really cool comedy that's burst onto the scene. And like you said, a year ago we got season one. We've found that it's had a, a really growing group of people that have discovered this comedy in the last year. Isn't it funny that you said that it's one of the favourite sleeper hits in The Office because Mindy Cannon, of course, so famous for The Office, um, Justin Noble, one of the writers and creators behind Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Never Have I Ever. I love that it's kind of bringing together what's a, quite a tried and tested television trick of four diverse characters kind of Throwing them to- together into a new situation. Yeah, they're in a new... <laughs> From different all- backgrounds yeah, and yeah. different, you know, yeah. one's, a, one's a senator's daughter and one's like, you know, trying to figure out her sexuality and one's a sports star, and but they all have to share a, share a room together and, of course, shenanigans ensue. Exactly. And so, you know, four interesting, diverse characters having fun on campus in a, with a fresh comedy. So if you liked Girls and Sex in the City, you've seen lots of interesting kind of four female friendships kind of take the stage. But 
I just like how diverse this is. And I think it's really funny. And I said, and as I said at the beginning, I think that comes from you know, two of the big names that are behind it. Yeah, not to go on about it too much, but Mindy Haling and Justin Noble's obviously background in really big, funny network comedies like The Office and Mindy Project and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You can really see that in this show. But because this is a streaming show, you also get, you know, you nudity. get the sex, you get the sex <laughs> and the nudity and, you know, the the stuff that's in the title, but it's wrapped up in this like really fun, really engaging and watchable sitcom. So it's got like the best of both worlds. So yeah, season one had 10 episodes and season two is also, also going to have another 10 episodes. So by the end of this, we're going to have, you know, 20 episodes to get through and they're barely past their first year of college or university or whatever they call it over there. <laughs> but basically the four leads, I would say are sort of all equal leads, but um, one of the main characters uh, is played by Pauline Chalamet, who is of course the sister of a of one Timothy, um, if you needed another reason to, to watch the show. And it was, I think it was a really great profile of her in, in the newspaper over the weekend whose parents were both kind of creative. She grew up in um, living between New York and I think the Parisian heritage or French heritage. Yeah, always French. Ar- Yeah, always around kind of creative people and kind of talked about having quite a different um, upbringing, which as she's grown up, kind of found herself getting pulled to the arts as well. So I think she lives in in France as well. So she's, yeah, really interesting talent that's emerging. Cool. So season one of The Sex Lives of College Girls is streaming for you now uh, with new episodes of season two available each Thursday on Binge. I thought we were already an official couple. Well, did you ask him if she was seeing other people? Uh, No. Are you crazy? You don't ask guys these things. You ask everyone else you know. I'm writing a piece about how short kings are unexpected sex gods. Wow, I'm flattered. Thank you. You're not a short king. You're like a nerd prince. You're like a straight twink. Straight twink is definitely not how I see myself. Written and created by Deborah Davis, the Oscar-nominated writer of The Favourites, comes another story of palace intrigue in the brand new eight-part French-British production of Marie Antoinette. Welcome to Versailles. There are no secrets here. Your job is to deliver the air. I think she's ready. I can prepare her. Yeah. Now, Ali, you haven't seen this one yet, have you? So it's on me to sell sell it to you. <laughs> Absolutely, but I do love history and period pieces. So, um, and I know a little bit about Mary Antoinette. So I'm interested to hear. Yeah, how this is different, John, and the story that it takes us. I understand it's shot at the Palace of Versailles and in parts of France. So, um, yeah, tell me all about what we can expect with this one. Well, it is lavish. I don't have the number in front of me, but this was like a you know millions and millions of dollars per episode to make, and you can see it see it on screen. It's basically the origin story of Marie Antoinette. It starts with her in her Austrian heritage before she gets traded or contracted off to France or however sort of these weird royal marriages happened back in the day. I think there was a truce between Austria and France as they came together in the late 1700s to defeat the Brits and the Prussians, and as part of that truce, there was a marriage. Very romantic, how all marriages should start, but starts with a very young Marie Antoinette basically arriving in France, not particularly getting along with her soon-to-be husband, not particularly being embraced by the palace staff or her new family, and basically not knowing what she's doing. She kind of keeps asking for help and direction for, like, how to be the wife, how to be the future mother, what to do in, like, the wedding chamber. Yeah, there's um, the sort of stunned rabbit thing to her. Um, understandable, because I think she was 14 when, when this all happened. I think she was 14, and let's just get to the crux of it, because wasn't Marie Antoinette quite famous 
with who went on to be King Louis the Sixteen. There was three King Louis in France: King Louis the Fourteenth, who created Versailles; Louis the Fifteenth, and then by Louis Sixteenth reign. Um, it had all come tumbling down. But Marie Antoinette um, and Louis XVI were both famous for not consummating their marriage, weren't they? Because there was a bit of me that's like, here we go again with House of Dragon, um, illegitimate children, you know, kind of the, the, the politics of the court that spoils um, and, and was often so she basically had negative press Marie Antoinette and she didn't do yeah. much to help herself. But is that a really big part of what you've seen of the episode so far? Because they yeah. took a There's long time like- to have children. There's this, uh, well, the, um, so the first few episodes are really don't take place over a particularly long period of time. It's kind of her just arriving and um, the the marriage and there's this really sort of strange, and I'm sure, uh, you know, people more familiar with the history might understand what happened, but there's this very strange scene of them in their like wedding bed on their wedding night, basically surrounded by like a hundred people and th- like throwing pebbles at them. Anyway, it's very strange. I don't know if it was historically accurate, um, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely talks to the like struggles with them connecting on any level like let alone to you know bring an air mm-hmm. um but yeah beautifully produced filmed in versailles like filmed on location apparently the costumes were also all done by uh chanel or like chanel designers like it's like you can absolutely see the like lavishness of, of it all on Amazing. screen well it has got to be true to life doesn't it because that was what she was famous for like, those really high hairdos that she did and I think she used to get in a lot of trouble in the early days because she was using fabrics for her dresses that were um, hurting the French. She used to import fabrics from England and places where, you know, that were hurting the local um, French, you know, silk and whatever manufacturing. So, yeah, she was so famous for her decadence, so I'm assuming it has to come through on screen. So it must have cost a pretty penny. Yes, and just in case it's not clear, while this is a very French story, this all takes place, it's all English language. If that was going to be a barrier for you watching it, don't worry. All of these great French Austrian people are speaking English very conveniently, which is kind of what happens these days with a lot of co-productions where it's just easier to do it in English. And it, as you mentioned, it's from the same producers of the Versailles series from, from a few years ago, which um, looked at another part of part of French history. An earlier part, didn't it? That kind of looked earlier. In. So, and. I'm but sure. both with quite kind of modern sort of takes and presented quite modernly and understandably, I guess. Doesn't feel like very heavy, period. Is it taking Mary Antoinette's point of view and like bringing a little bit of a voice to her history? Because it feels like, like I said, she kind of got bad press. She was, you know, I think she was stuffed up a lot in the court politics. She was young, like you said. There was stuff going on behind the scenes. Louis the Sixteenth, her husband. Again, like so many of these shows that we watch or we've seen in real life even, obviously the crown's out at the moment, but House of Dragon, et cetera, is the role of the mistress. Louis Sixteenth had a very strong relationship with it with the mistress and you know Marie Antoinette kind of took her on famously. So do we get to get a new sense of who she was a little bit? Or how does Deborah Davis bring her lens to it? It's very, I don't know if sympathetic is the right word, but it's very much through her eyes. Like you can see the stress of the move. You can see her like having nightmares about not knowing what's happening or where she is or trying to escape the palace. And yeah, you like you absolutely go into it with like, oh my God, I can't believe what's happening to this 14 year old and why is nobody helping her? So that does feel like a, like a fresh new lens into it in that it's very much from her sort of fish out of water perspective oh my god i can't wait to watch this okay so deborah davis did the favorite which is oscar nominated and that was dealing with princess anne queen anne or something was it i can't remember who olivia coleman played in that but Uh, queen anne yeah queen anne so she's bringing i mean that had a very particular sense of humor to it and, and kind of a bitingly, like you said, modern take on or reflection on on what life was like in the palace. Because 
Palace of Versailles is enormous. And at the time of like the French Revolution, when this story would have been set, there were like thousands of people living there. So it's not like mm. you're lonely rattling around a big castle. Like you're literally kind of performing all the time. There's people in your space. You said there's people in their room, their bedchambers when they're trying to contemplate yeah. your marriage. Like I would imagine just the scale and the pressure of that would be really interesting to see. And I liked how that came to life in The Favourite for those of the have seen that film because you really got the sense of the politics and who was in the Queen's ear. So I'm hoping there's a bit of that that she's brought to this story. Yeah. Well, I think if you like things like The Favourite, The Great, The Crown, there's so much. House um, of the Dragon. House <laughs> of the Dragon. Um, but it feels like there's there lots of series that this is yeah, leading into, the series Versailles, like you mentioned before. So eight episodes. I cannot wait to get stuck into this. And I like the history side of it as well. So hopefully it's not all made up. So all eight episodes of Marie Antoinette are streaming from Tuesday, November 22nd on Binge. It won't be long before he slings her out of France. Never take no for an answer. And fight back. I am your wife. When are you going to be my husband? She has got to be put in her place. The turn for you, madam. History is not kind to losers. Okay, Ali, it's the dinner party recommendation part of the show, the shows from the library or that uh, slipped under the radar that we want to recommend to our friends. What do you want to get out there? I've got a good one this week. So whilst this is called Skip Intro, the binge podcast, and it's talking about the best shows on binge, I think um, we can't- We're finally going to start recommending shows on other platforms. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that, but I think we can assume that customers aren't just wonderfully beautiful Subscribers aren't necessarily watching 100% binge. Um, but so one of the shows this week that's that's been getting a lot of PR is The Crown, which is back for its, I think, fifth season um, and creating controversy everywhere. But uh, you may not know, there's a lot of talk around the Australian woman who is playing Princess Diana, and she stars in an Australian original series that we have on binge called The Kettering Incident, which is a little bit of a um, mystery set in Tasmania um, and, yeah, kind of one of her breakout stars. Um, so I would recommend you watch The Kettering Incident if you are intrigued by Elizabeth Debicki, who plays Princess Diana wonderfully, and also, not to leave out Mr Prince Charles, Dominic West, who p- appears as Prince Charles in Season 5. We have The Wire, which recently nominated by Rolling Stone as one of the top 10 series in the history of television, uh, a brilliant police detective show. Um, highly recommend The Wire if you haven't watched that. But if you want to get a little bit more Dominic West or Elizabeth Debrucki following a bit of a crown binge, why don't you, yeah, check out The Kettering Incident or The Wire. Have you watched either, John? Do you like either? Uh, I've watched The Wire. I, I It was only this week that I realised um, Elizabeth Debrucki was in The Kettering Incident, um, and I've heard such good things about it. I know it's got this, like, moody Tasmanian vibe, which sounds great. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out once I'm done with um, The Crown. <laughs> well, I managed to sneak into recommendations for my dinner party recommendation again. So, anyway, what about you? What are you thinking about this week? 
Well, um, I did just watch a documentary. For people who have a long time listened to the podcast, they know that I love sitcoms. I love Canberra. And the other fascinating part of my life is corporate history. So the best expression of that is probably succession. But we do have a great documentary on binge called I Can, The Restless Billionaire. Oh, um, yes. It's just a, it's just a, like a feature doc, one by 90. It's an easy watch. But it is about this guy called Carl Icahn, who I had sort of vaguely heard of and appreciate most people probably won't have. He's one of the richest men in the world. Um, so already fascinating. But he's what Wall Street and financial industry calls an activist investor, which maybe doesn't sound that interesting, but it, it is. And he's just this very wealthy man who kind of goes into companies and buys up like board seats or shares. So he has some power in the company and then he forces them to make a change. Ooh. You know, he might see a company that he thinks is doing really good except for this one bit or is doing really good except for the CEO or, you know, should merge with someone else or, or whatever. He's this like activist investor who has the money and resource to go and buy big chunks of company and then force change. Um, and he's understandably not beloved <laughs> because, um, you know, it's, it's not a, it's kind of, it is very aggressive in these, you know, takeovers and buying up board seats and things that he does, but he's got an amazing track record based on his wealth. And yeah, it was just kind of this fascinating history. He's, he's, he's sort of an older man at this point, but he's still very active, but he's had a really long history with a lot of big companies we've heard of like Apple and um, eBay and Netflix. He's sort of had big behind the scenes influences on the way the companies are run and their direction. And um, he was behind eBay and PayPal kind of de-merging because he mm -hmm. was like, he saw PayPal as having all this value that was, wasn't was being unlocked by being part of eBay. Um, and he just sort of said, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to force you to. This is a really good suggestion, John, because we this last week or two now, um, we've seen the reality of Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't even think of that. But and yes, all the blue tick controversy and everything else yeah. that's going on with that. But that's an example of exactly what you just said there, a really wealthy person kind of being able to ultimately he bought the whole thing. He didn't just buy a board seat or whatever, but and force change on a company structure. But if if you agree with that person's point of view and they're doing kind of, quote, noble things or you yeah. know, things that they're pushing on that company that you think are positive if it's something to do with climate change or, you know, yeah. but, but it's still one person's opinion impacting no, totally. a huge amount of power, isn't it? So I think this could be quite interesting. And also has he always made his money in a really ethical way or is this almost now as he's getting older he's kind of, making good for for maybe there are really interesting people doing this now specifically around like climate change or certain causes which is really interesting but there's a ton of people who do this and all they do is buy buy a company or buy a big chunk of a company fire everyone or offshore every like there are really like ugly sides to this sort of practice and behavior that are just like um entirely greed and profit motivated um but i think what's fascinating is the power one person can have and how they choose to wield yeah. it. And do you hear from him? Like, is he interviewed? Oh, yeah, him? he's he's absolutely in it. Bill Bill Gates is in it. Um, yeah, it's kind of a who's who of, like, billionaires. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's really interesting. He was, and, you know, this might speak to his not always noble history, but um, Oliver Stone said that he was sort of the inspiration for Gordon Gekko. Oh, so wow. that gives okay. you a, you know, back in the, you know, 80s, he was kind of the inspiration for, for that character. But yeah, just fascinating. And yeah, like you said, with Twitter, um, Elon Musk originally did just buy sort of 10% of it and was going to get a board seat and did, you know, have all these ideas to change it. Um, but of course, we now see what Elon Musk has done. It's a really interesting topic. And even just not going about it in this regard in terms of enacting control on an organization, but just how many billionaires are 
you know, leaving their money and, and you know, creating foundations like the, the Gates, um, the Bill, Belinda and, and Bill Gates Foundation and, you know, promising to give away all their money on their death, um, you know, isn't it? So, yeah, interesting dilemma if you're a billionaire. What's your yeah. legacy? Yeah. Cool. Great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I can. Check that I, one out. I can the restless billionaire. You rented this place or something? My own stratosphere. He started with nothing, but built a fortune worth $20 billion. Wall Streeters say he's intimidating and relentless. Carl identifies companies that he thinks are undervalued, and he'll put pressure on the CEO to do what he wants. The most feared corporate raider in history. Activist or raider, call me whatever you want. I made this money because the system is so bad, not because I'm a genius. This week on Skip Intro, we discussed The Sex Lies of College Girls, which is back for season two. We talked about Marie Antoinette. Ali recommended that you check out The Kettering Incident and The Wire. And I suggested the feature documentary, I Can the Restless Billionaire. All of these are streaming for you right now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favorite device. I'm John Bowen, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro.